What's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Wrestling with Jonners. This is episode 84 and uh, this is a special interview with episode and uh, I'll be introducing my special guest on the interview uh, episode very, very soon. But before we introduce our guest, as I'd like to do uh, every single episode, is to throw out our social media plugs. So you know where to find us on Twitter, first of all. You can find us at withjohnners underscore pod. We're on Instagram as well. Just go instagram.com forward slash wrestling with Johnners. And of course, we're on Facebook. Uh, go and search our friendly, fun, interactive Facebook community page. Just search wrestling with Johnners. That's Johnners spelled J O H N E R S. And of course, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please don't forget to hit subscribe so that you can be notified every time a new episode drops. Uh, you can find the Wrestling with Jonas podcast on all popular podcast platforms, including Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and YouTube. So please spread the word. Uh, please give us a follow on all of our social media pages and subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channels today. So. This is the first of a number of interviews in collaboration with Turnbuckle TV. And uh, as we're all aware, Turnbuckle TV is easily the best UK-based pro wrestling on-demand service available today, uh, with over 30 channels shining a light on the very best independent wrestling from around the UK. Simply go to turnbuckletv.com to subscribe to over 30 channels featuring more UK indie wrestling that you can shake a stick at from only $3.99 per month. And I think there's also quite a bit of free content on there as well. Uh, uh, so go and check it out. That's TurnbuckleTV.com. So that leads us very nicely to the first interview in collaboration with Turnbuckle TV. And uh, we have one of the hardest working pro wrestlers around at the moment. I give to you, ladies and gentlemen, pure evil CJ Carter. So CJ, thank you for coming on to the Wrestling with Jonas podcast today. Uh, good evening. How are you? Uh, good evening. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, it's great to be here. Um, and great to speak to you. Yeah, I'm, I'm great. Yeah, no, well, it's fantastic to have you on board. And uh, yeah, yeah, I was, I was approached to kind of uh, interview you a few weeks ago and I jumped at the opportunity. And uh, yep, so I uh, can't wait to uh, get stuck into the many questions that I have for you. But one question, CJ, that I always like to ask my guests uh, during these interviews is uh, I'm always fascinated to try and find out how uh, my guests first come across professional wrestling uh, what hooked them into professional wrestling what was their first uh, their first encounter as a fan or kind of their earliest recollection of professional wrestling so can you remember that far back was it uh, quite a, a, an early age as most of us wrestling fans uh, tend to kind of get into wrestling at a young age but what about yourself uh, yeah it was um it was a really young age um that my my earliest memories are of watching wrestling with my dad uh, sat on the sofa, maybe three or four years old. Um, and from pictures that I have from when I was younger and from stories my, my dad's told me, I would sit with him even younger than that and watch wrestling. I've got pictures of, of me sitting there watching it, you know, from two years old. I've got pictures of um, Papa Shango on the TV and, and stuff like that. And all my wrestling figures lined up all around the front room from that, from the age of about three years old. Wow. Um, and yeah, I mean, my, my dad was a big, big wrestling fan when I was a kid. Funnily enough, he doesn't really watch it anymore, actually, um, other than to come and see my shows sometimes. But, but as a kid, he was a huge wrestling fan. And um, just running around the house as a three or four year old, wrestling was always on. And I, I was just like, wow, <laughs> this, this is amazing. I was absolutely hooked on it. Um, and I would probably say from, a, from about that age, three, four, five, until until about 14, 15 or 16, I, I honestly didn't really do much 
other than watch wrestling. <laughs> like, honestly, I was I was completely obsessed. Like I was um I was more than just your your casual fan or average fan. I was I was just obsessed by it. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really watch even as a kid. I didn't really watch many films or or that many kids TV programs or 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 had that many toys that weren't wrestling toys. I just all I watched was wrestling. And all I did was play with wrestling figures. <laughs> it's just my life was just consumed by it, really. So from, it, from... it it wouldn't be an exaggeration to say that that, that you're a a lifelong wrestling fan. Then really, from the age of two, watching WWF yeah. with your with your dad with all your yeah. toys and Papa Shango being on the TV. I mean, that must have been pretty pretty a scary experience watching Papa Shango <laughs> at such a young age. But uh, yeah. I mean, going on to my next question, then which wrestling promotions and, and wrestlers did you enjoy watching? I'm guessing WWF was one of them. Yeah. Uh, but uh, who, who were some of the, the wrestlers that really caught your attention and, and uh, made you even more invested into into professional wrestling? What what promotions and characters really stood out to you? Um, well, yeah, I was obviously, I was a big WWF, well, WWF at the time, WWF, yes. WWE now, big WWF fan. Because uh, that, that was pretty much all we had over here, to be honest. Um, yeah. There wasn't much WCW on TV. Um, I think like on some very random German station, I found once that they were showing some WCW pay-per-views. So I remember watching Spring Stampede. I think it was Spring Stampede 94. uh, And it was in German. And I remember having a VHS where I taped that from the TV because that was the only way I could see WCW. But uh, I was, I was just a big WWF fan. um, And yeah, I mean, obviously as a, as a young kid, as most people did, I think Hogan was, was my man. Uh, I was just, I was a big Hogan fan, but as I got slightly older, uh, by about five or six, I started really to gravitate towards like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, to be honest. And, and I, I pretty much stuck with them all the way through until the late nineties. Um, and, and, and then sort of like during the attitude era, dip in and out of WCW as well. And, um, and you know, there's a few characters there that I like, but it was always for me. Shawn Michaels was the guy always growing up, and um, yeah, he he was as a, as a kid and as a rest, young wrestling fan, he was a big influence on me. So, what did you like about Shawn Michaels in particular? Did you like his his kind of technical ability in the ring, or, or was it was it uh, his his cocky character, his his heel um, persona? What 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 did what did you like? What gravitated towards you about Shawn Michaels in particular? I think it was probably. Yeah, I did like the kind of cocky self-assuredness of him, but um, but to be honest, for whatever reason, it, I, once I got past that very early stage of being a Hogan fan at three, four years old, maybe five at a push, um, I really started to really gravitate towards the guys who were, who were good wrestlers, even from yeah. a fairly young age. I just wasn't that. I wasn't that sold on big large over-the-top gimmicks or characters i i just i i like guys that could go in the ring and we're going to do great 15 or 20 minute matches you know um even from yeah from a fairly young age for whatever reason i don't know why um but, you you obviously yeah. had a, a great taste in wrestling from a, from a young age then <laughs> CJ but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and do you get that much of a chance to watch um wrestling nowadays I mean uh, mm. I'm guessing you're still a big fan of the product and yeah. uh, you um, know what what promotions do you watch nowadays and what are your thoughts on the current product especially the product that we see on our TV every single week uh, I'll be honest I don't I watch wrestling still but I don't watch I don't watch WWE anymore um mm. I stopped watching that maybe around the the uh, early 2000s maybe 04 05 yeah. uh, i kind of um 
what I kind of found towards the early 2000s was with the kind of when when the wrestling channel came on Sky, I don't know if you remember that, but yeah. I, I started getting a lot of kind of exposure to all these independent promotions that I didn't really know that much about other than reading about them in magazines like Ring of Honor. Um, and then when TNA first started and they had FWA from this country on there as well. Yeah. Um, and I, I had already become a very big ECW fan from sort of like 97 or 98. And I used to buy the um, I used to buy the tapes from RF Video. Um, I used to buy loads of VHSs. I used to I used to be obsessed with collecting like Japanese tapes and Mexican tapes and buying all the ECW tapes. And and so obviously I got towards the late nineties. I got very into ECW. Um, and then when that when that closed down, and then the wrestling channel started sort of like I think it was about O two. I found you know a very similar style of of wrestling and product was available to me that I just didn't know about outside of WWE. Um, and I just became a big fan of the independent scene, to be honest. Um, and, and from then on, I've dipped in and out of WWE and I, and I keep up to tabs with it. But mostly what I watch now is, um, it will be new Japan. It will be ring of honor. Um, occasionally I'll watch some Mexican stuff. If, if I've read it, like, like, I'll go online, read some reviews. If I hear it, like Kenny Omega had a great match the other week on AAA. Yeah. So I dug that out against um, Ray Phoenix. Like I'll dig out random matches here and there. Um, and I'm watching AEW at the moment. Um, but yeah, uh, that's kind of, and I watch a lot of British wrestling as well. A lot of British wrestling. Um, yeah. And it's funny that you said that you used to get uh, tapes via tape traders like uh, uh, RF videos. I yeah. did exactly the same thing back in the, the mid to late uh, 90s. And uh, I don't know if you remember a, a former Power Slam writer called Rob Butcher. And yeah, uh, I used I to get all of my tapes from Rob. And <laughs> uh, man, I, I had shelves across all four walls, uh, walls in my bedroom filled with VHSs. Yeah, and uh, Yeah, it was a, a brilliant time to be a wrestling fan even back then because the, the product wasn't readily available. And you did have no. to kind of find these tapes traders and get it shipped in from america or wherever and the same as you i'll get content from new japan all japan uh, all over the world but um yeah yeah fascinating time and like i say i think that made it even more uh, of an interest and more of a fun time to be a wrestling fan because it wasn't readily available and you did have to search hard and when you got it it was like gold and you'd sit down and you'd watch it and really enjoy it but that's really fascinating but um let's have a little look about uh, you wanting to become a professional wrestler so um when did you first become interested in becoming a pro wrestler uh, tell us about what what sparked your desire to be a pro wrestler wrestler than cj mm-hmm. yeah so um to be honest for for as long as i can remember that's all i've wanted to do uh, when everyone asked me as a kid what do you want to do I, was, I want to be a wrestler that's all that's the only answer i had for them um i remember telling my mum that when i was quite young and i remember her just laughing at me and being like don't be so ridiculous that's um you know, that's not feasible. That's not the kind of thing that normal people do. You know, <laughs> uh, I think, you know, I think most people look at wrestlers and they, and they think if you don't look like Hogan or The Rock or yeah. Braun Strowman or, you know, do you know what I mean? The stereotypical oh, yeah. six foot two plus, you know, jacked up, very big, tanned. That's what people think of. But, uh, you know, I was adamant that I was like one way or another, I was going to I was going to wrestle, whether that was on the big stage or a small stage or whatever I was going to get in a ring <laughs> and um and so what I started doing from the age of about 12 was trying to research trying to find wrestling schools I was desperately trying to find wrestling schools in this country but it was very hard and <laughs> you know so when I was 12 we're talking about 2000 um at, and there wasn't a lot of schools around in this country and it's not like there is now where there's 
I, you know, I could name 20 plus schools just off the top of my head now. And there's, yeah. there's 30, 40, 50 more in the country. Then there was like Hammerlock. Um, and beyond that, there wasn't an awful lot around. Um, as I just remember, keep looking, keep looking, keep looking. And then when I was 14, uh, I found this advert for an FWA training school that was in London, um, in Finsbury Park. And I was like, that's it. I've got, there's one in London. I've got to go. <laughs> so I was 14 and, and, and I went there and I started training there. Um, and then I found drop kicks, which was in Perfleet in Essex, which was accessible. So I went there as well. And I was training across between the two for a few years. Um, but then I, uh, we were doing, um, some training, um, outside. It was, it was, um, we had set a ring up in the back of a pub actually. Um, and they were doing a, it was a British wrestling sort of like reunion convention yeah. that they were doing hosted by drop kicks and so they were running training out the back as well and we were doing training out there and i managed to do a dive over the top rope i landed awkwardly on my leg and um just completely blew out my right knee um and i was only i'm trying to think what year that was i'm trying to think how old i was then it's hard i was i was no i was maybe 17 at the time i think and um maybe even 16 and yeah, and I completely blew out my leg. In fact, it, it hurt so bad at the time, I was convinced I broke my leg. Um, but um, one of the guys who was there, uh, who I actually know now, funnily enough, and I didn't see I didn't see for about 10 years between, um, carried me carried me from the ring to his car and he drove me to the station and I went got the station back to where I live and I went to the hospital. Um, yeah, and they told me that I'd completely torn my ACL and blown out all the cartilage in my right knee and that was a long sort of like uh process to get that back to to where I you know could walk properly again and um, at this point you, you were still only training I mean you still, still only training you know, being yeah. 16 17 still only training yeah so still were early days for you I mean you, you I think you said that you were uh started training when you were about 14 so this yeah. was a couple couple of years in couple still years very in. young I mean yeah. did, did, did that injury put you off at all did it make you kind of think twice about uh continuing wrestling I mean did, did you fear that you might not be able to uh, it, continue your training it didn't put me off but but I did think I was done to be honest because um I mean, I didn't walk properly for two years. Like, it was pretty bad. Like, um, you know, maybe if I'd had the surgery straight away, you know, if you look at current athletes or WWE superstars, you know, if they get an injury like that, I'm sure they're taken straight in. They're looked at, they have surgery the next day and the rehab immediately starts, right? Yeah. But, um, right. I had to wait. I had to go on a waiting list for six months just to even, for them to, to even do the surgery. So, you know, I'm sitting around, for six months with my, my leg completely ruined, not being able to walk. So I was on crutches for six months. Yeah. Um, and, and then I had the surgery. Um, and then it was another six to eight months after that, before I could even think about being back to anywhere, back to normal. And, um, and I managed to, in that time, I managed to, um, blow out my knee at least two more times. Wow. Um, not to the point where I needed surgery, but to the point where, you know, it would go and then I would have to start the rehab all over again. Um, it, and, and my knee was very, very weak for a long time. Uh, so I could, yeah, I couldn't run properly for two years. I didn't walk properly for nearly two years. I was on crutches for over a year. Um, and everyone had said to me, you know what, 
I don't, I don't think, you know, you're not going to be wrestling again. Maybe it's um, not for you. Yeah. Maybe it's not for you. And I, you know what? I kind of wrote it off a little bit and it was heartbreaking. I'll be honest with you. It was, you know, I was only young and it's what I'd ever really wanted to do. But I've, I've been told that, you know, I can't do this. And my knee was in such a bad way that, in fact, it was every time I tried to run, it would actually just come out of place. Like the knee would come out of its socket and I'd have to crack it back in. Um, Ouch. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and, so you yeah, was on the shelf for two years then, CJ, and, and then and you did find it longer yes. than two years and you yeah. came back and continued your training. I mean, we spoke a little bit off air and you said that you made your debut uh, at about the age of 21. Yeah. Um, about, and yeah. Uh, so, so, I mean, do you feel that the injury that you had when you were 16, that kind of slowed your oh, your progress yeah. down yeah. so that potentially if you hadn't have suffered the injury, you might have made your progress in debut a lot sooner? Maybe. It's possible. I mean, who knows? I would like to hope that would be the case for sure. Um, I, I felt like I was kind of almost ready. Do you know what I mean? I kind of felt like mm. I was almost there. I've been training for a good few years. I hadn't had a show yet, but I was still very young. Um, you know, my goal was always, if I can get to 18, I'll, I'll definitely get on a show by the time I'm 18, which was only like a year off, you know? So, um, and then obviously the injury happened and then I just yeah. thought, you know what, maybe it's not for me. And so then I, I just focused on other things like, you know, I focused on college and university and I was focusing on my life outside of wrestling. And I was like, just getting on with my life really. and thinking, you know what, maybe uh, that's just behind me. That was a thing I did when I was younger. It's never going to happen. But, but then I got into my early twenties and, and then I was just like, you know what, I've, I've got to give this another go. And, and if I do it and, and I blow out my knee in the first training session, then fine. That's it. I'm done. Uh, at least I've tried, you know, but I thought I'm not going to know unless I try. So, so I went back to, I went back to training. I found another school that was fairly local to me. Um, and I trained there and, and then I started doing shows, um, from, from, yeah, about 21 or 22. I started, I started doing, doing shows. Yeah. So according to my research then, CJ, you, you've been, uh, wrestling, uh, professionally since about 2010. So for about nine years now or so, and uh, you made your debut for LDN. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, so and your wrestling name back then was uh, Chris St. Clair. So uh, how, how was that experience back in those early days when you were just breaking in? You you know, after all the the trials and tribulations <laughs> of your teenage years and the injuries and, and training, and then finally you make your, your debut for LDN. Um, mm. you, you even had a fair bit of success for LDN. You you, you featured in some, some battle rules or some Royal Rumbles where you performed quite well. Uh, so tell us about some of them, them early days, certainly in the first couple of years as Chris and Claire uh yeah I mean that was a yeah very weird uh gimmick or name it wasn't really much gimmick to it and it, before that actually I was called Chris Olsen for a little while ah <laughs> yeah even before that um I started doing Chris and Claire in 2010 um I just I just didn't you know I was asked at the time what do you want you know what do you want your name to be and I was a bit like I don't know I was stumped I didn't know I, I, uh, I was like uh chris i could just go with chris something and they're like okay chris awesome it is out you go <laughs> and so i did that for a while and then someone suggested to me why don't you um do chris st Clair? there used to be a wrestler called tony st Clair yeah. back in the world of sport days and they're like it's got a nice ring to it why don't you just go with chris st Clair? it sounds better than chris awesome and i was like yeah anything sounds better than chris awesome so let's <laughs> let's let's go with chris st Clair. um and so I went with that and yeah, I worked for LDM for a couple of years, I think two years I worked for them and I slowly, I was working up slowly, slowly, slowly. Um, and I, I had some, I had some good times there actually. Like, 
I wrestled uh, Tom Dawkins, who who now does Car Noir. Um, ah, I, I wrestled him. Yeah, I wrestled him a few times there, and I actually beat him for for my first ever championship, uh, which was the they called it the Academy Championship, and it was later changed to the the Junior Heavyweight Championship. Um, and I, I beat him for that as my first ever championship. Um, and, and I got to work some good names there. Like I worked Pete Dunn there. I worked Damien Dunn there. Um, Richard Parliament. I don't know if you remember Richard Parliament. He was on the TNA boot camp uh, once upon a time. Vaguely, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and there was, you know, I did enjoy it. But, um, yeah, some some personal life stuff got in the way uh, towards the end of that run. Um, I had my first daughter, which was a big impact on that, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and that led to me taking a little bit of time out again. Um, yeah. That, yeah. So, so I, I, I've got in my research that between 2012 and 2017, you was kind of in and out of wrestling. Now we, we spoke mm. again off air and there was some other injuries that kind of cropped up during that time as well. Mm. Um, but to, can, can you fill us in on some of the blanks as to, you know, because you, you did return uh, sporadically during them five years, but you was probably out more than you was in. Would that be fair to say? uh i was actually in for a while through that period actually. right i was in from so so i came back in 2012 um and i started i started training at lucha britannia the london school of lucha libre yeah um and that's where i met paddy who yep. who now does gene money um and he had not long been there as well and we started a tag team called the lavelle brothers um so so if you if you if you search the Lavelle brothers in google you'll probably pull up a few things there's there's a little promo we did uh for a match uh with um t-bone um i think it was preston championship wrestling or something like that it was it was us challenging them to potentially have a match with them um that usually always comes up but yeah we 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 worked uh we worked for about two years as that tag team as the Lavelle brothers um and um it was going pretty well to be honest it was building slowly um and we we were starting to pick up bookings at various places we we were working for uh for lucha britannia we were working for the london school of lucha libre we'd done some shows for ipw we'd done some shows for wrestle force for a place called pride down in um devon yeah um uh, and we had a fairly high profile match against uh, Project Ego. I don't know if you did. It was uh, Martin Kirby and Chris Travis. Okay. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, look, we weren't setting the world alight, don't get me wrong, but we, we were slowly, slowly chipping away. Um, but then again, I had some personal issues, some life stuff, and I decided to step away again. <laughs> um, and that time I was, was away from 2014 all the way through until 2017 so that, right. that was my that was my longest gap and actually if i'm honest with you i was done at that point i was done um i was a bit uh worn out and burnt out from from constantly grinding away in, in wrestling um and not i'm feeling like to be honest i wasn't really getting anywhere and i was getting it was getting to me a bit um and i had my i had a lot of stuff going on in my personal life and so i kind of thought uh, you know what? Maybe, maybe I'll call it a day. And and I was done with wrestling at that point. And for all intents and purposes, I wasn't going to come back when I left in 2014. 
Yeah, so so you mentioned that you, you did return in in uh, February 2017 mm-hmm. after being away for for mm-hmm. two or three years. Yeah. So so how was that feeling to be you know finally coming back into the ring? Describe that feeling of being back because you said yourself that you, you thought you was done, you thought mm-hmm. that your wrestling career was was behind you, and uh, but but then what sparked uh, the, the change of mind and what, what was that kind of feeling like to, to actually be back in the wrestling game and to, I suppose, fall back in love with it again? Um, i tell you what, it was, um, it was Paddy. It was Gene Money, the guy who I was tagging with previously. Um, if it wasn't for him, I would not be wrestling now uh, and I would not be enjoying the, the, you know, the success I'm having currently or, or loving wrestling as much as I do right now either. Um, I was done with wrestling. I'd walked away. I'd even got to the point where I was so frustrated with it actually that I wasn't even watching wrestling anymore because it was just making me the bit, you know, I was getting a bit bitter about the, the, the whole thing, to be honest. Um, but, but Paddy didn't give up on me. Uh, you know, he, he kept, he kept messaging me every few months. He'd message me and be like, come on, come back. He'd, he'd started taking training at a wrestling school in Milton Keynes. Um, and he'd started kind of co-running a promotion up there. Uh, and he was always kind of chipping away at me, just just kind of nudge, nudge, come on, come back, come back. And, and every few months he'd, he'd message me and I'd be like, no, nah, I'm done, man. I, I'm done. I'm not coming back. Uh, I've finished with wrestling. Um, but he just never gave up. And, and, then, and then eventually after about two and a half years of that <laughs> i kind of thought you know what you know what i love i've loved wrestling my whole life um it's all i've ever wanted to do i had some bad experiences fine everyone has bad experiences um i had some stuff going on in my personal life fine everyone's kind of you know everyone goes through rough times right um i, I felt like i'd put that behind me i felt like enough time had passed and I felt like I was getting to an age as well where if I didn't give it one more shot, then that was probably it for me, to be honest. Um, you know, 2017, um, what was that? So nearly three years ago, it'd be three years in February. Uh, I'll be turning 33 in January. So I was 30 at the time. So it was kind of now or never, right? Mm-hmm. And and I, I just caved in. And I, and I said to him, you know what? I'll come back. I'll come and train with you. And um, I'll see how it goes. And my, my goal was actually to just, if I only worked one show every two months and it was only for the promotion in Milton Keynes that, that Paddy was working with at the time, then I would have been happy with that. But um, as soon as I got back, I got the bug. I just got the bug in a big way. And it does that to you, doesn't it? Wrestling does that mm, to you. It gets under your skin. It gets under <laughs> your skin. It consumes you. It takes over your life. Um, yeah. Even as a it's, fan. Even it's as a an fan, addiction. It it's an addiction. Yeah. You don't need drugs when you've got wrestling. But no, uh, yeah, yeah. Let, let me ask you about that return then, CJ. I mean, was your, your return in, in 2017, was that the... Uh, the resurgence was that the debut of your current mm-hmm. uh, persona, CJ Carter. Then that was that was yeah. That, uh, that was... So you didn't return as as uh, Chris St Clair. You you made your return as pure evil CJ yeah, Carter. Yeah. So what what prompted the change of gimmick, the the change of look, the change of character when you made your return in 2017? Well, the thing was, is I've done two previous gimmicks. I've done the Christopher Lavelle character, which was actually a posh boy from from Eton, like with polo shirts and cardigans around his neck and a, and a and a croquet mallet and we were like doing the whole Tory boy better than you tag team thing right um clean shaven short hair looked like a little college like uh you know harvard graduate or something yeah. um 
Uh, and before that, I was just Chris, Chris Sinclair, just, you know, happy, clappy, white meat baby face. Um, and, and when I came back this time, I was like, like, A, I don't want to be recognized as anything or anyone I have been previously. So I wanted a completely different look. I wanted people to look at me and have no idea that I'd even wrestled before. So I grew my hair out, I grew my beard out, and I started a whole new look. And then secondly, I wanted a character that was closer to me as a person because everything I'd done before that was not. Everything I'd done that was me just trying to either fit in uh, or or do something that someone had given me or or, or just try it, something that I thought might work. Um, I wanted this, something to be more me. Uh, and And I'd been through some pretty dark periods over the three years that I'd been out of wrestling and even towards the end of the last run. Um, and, and actually, so what I wanted to do was trying to tap into that kind of, uh, you know, those darker moments, those, those, those parts of, of my life where I was a bit, uh, you know, I, I let things consume me that I shouldn't have like sure. bitterness and hate and anger and resentment, you know, things like that. Um, and try and, tap that into a character and then get that out you know in the ring and on the stage and try and let that stuff out instead of just holding it in um and and it just seemed to work uh for the first time you know out of uh you know whatever it was by that point what was it like six years or seven years on and off in and out of wrestling for the first time i actually felt like i'd like stumbled upon something that felt more like me that worked and the fans were starting to enjoy it as well. So. Yeah, that's really fascinating. So, so tell me a little bit about your, your wrestling style then CJ, mm-hmm. can, can, you know, you, your wrestling style could be described as a, a mixture of uh, technical, maybe high flying, but how would mm-hmm. you describe your wrestling style? And, and would you say uh, your wrestling style is influenced by any of your wrestling heroes? Um, I'd tell you, you, you kind of summed it up, to be honest. Like in and out, it's technical and it's high flying and and it's aggressive and intense. That's that's what I try and go for. Um, you know, two people whose styles I absolutely love: Chris Benoit, yeah, and Dynamite Kid. Uh, throw Eddie Guerrero in there as well. They're just they're, they're not the biggest guys. I'm not the biggest guy. I've always had that kind of against me a little bit. I'm only five foot seven. I'm not the biggest guy in the world. But none of those guys were the biggest guys either. But but watch them wrestle, and my God, you believe they could take on anyone, right? Oh yeah. They're super aggressive. They're super intense. Everything they do just got like a snap to it. Um, and th- you know that's what I really wanted to go for. Um. And, you know, if I had it my way, if I was a bit more athletic, which sadly I'm not, I, you know, I'd be Will Ospreay <laughs> or, or I'd be Pac or, you know, I really want to go out there and be doing 450s and shooting star presses and all this stuff. You know, that's that's the kind of style that I love. Um, I was a big, big X Division fan when when TNA first started. And that's the kind of style that I really, really gravitate towards. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, I kind of I try to add in as much high flying and athleticism as I can to the point at which I, my body will allow me. Um, but then I try to add in some technical stuff because I think I'm, I'm you know, I found that over the years I'm quite good at that. And then I try to add in my own kind of aggression and intensity to it, which I take from kind of dynamite kid and Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero and people like that. 
Yeah, it definitely works. Definitely works. So, so one thing that I've picked up on that's really stood out to me about you and your character is your mm. confidence and ability on the microphone. So mm. now it's one thing to be a great wrestler, uh, but not everybody has the natural ability as a promo guy. Now, when did you first discover your confidence on the mic then, CJ? Uh, I tell you what, it wasn't always that way. <laughs> oh, um, uh, when when my first my first friend was Chris St. Clair, I wouldn't have dreamed of him doing a promo. If you put a camera in my face, I would have just frozen. Um, it wasn't until I started doing the tag uh, with Paddy when we started doing the Bell Brothers, uh, and he, like I don't know if you've seen Gene Money, but he is uh, probably the most, if not one of the most charismatic people in the country. An amazing um, character. Love oh, what a character. What yeah. a character. And <laughs> and the, you put put a camera in front of that man without any warning and he will deliver you an absolutely incredible promo. He just He's just that type of person. He's, he's super charismatic. Um, he just can just come out with just the most incredibly entertaining stuff. And so and so working with him for two years, he forced me to do promos. He, he pulled cameras in front of us and he was like, right, we're doing a promo. Um, and it taught me actually that it's not as daunting or as hard as you think it is actually you just have to have a little bit of confidence in what you're saying believe what you're saying um and try and get into the moment and and, you know treat it like it's real that's the that's the key to everything whether you're in the ring or in front of the camera treat it like it's real you know treat it like you really do want to get in the ring with whoever it is you're getting in the ring with and you do really want to beat them and it really does mean something to you because because it should to be honest um and the more you can tap into realism and it come from you as opposed to something you're trying to be, the easier it becomes. Yeah, I mean, from what I've seen, your, your promos and your mic work definitely comes across as real, definitely come across as, as very passionate and mm-hmm. uh, definitely believe what, what you're saying in the ring. So uh, fantastic. Oh, thanks, Appreciate w- that. W- one promotion that you're really close to, the other close mm-hmm. connection with, um, and since it first opened its doors, you could say, uh, back in mm-hmm. February 2018, is, is Pro Wrestling Clash, uh, based in uh, Boreham Wood, if, if I'm correct. So, yeah, which, yeah. which is also your home uh, hometown, your your home promotion, I understand. So yeah. uh, now... now um, I think you wrestled at nearly all of the shows, bar maybe one or two. Now, mm-hmm. as mentioned, you've got a close connection with with Clash. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what was it about pro wrestling Clash that, that's so special to you then, mm-hmm. CJ? Well, uh, I guess number one is that I uh, co co run it with uh, with Paddy. <laughs> um, so you know, we went from tag team partners to running a promotion together. Um, and so yeah, it's very close to my heart. And and I've lived in Bournemouth my whole life. So is my family. Um, you know, my, my dad lives in Bournemouth. My grandparents live in Bournemouth. My great grandparents lived in Bournemouth. My great great grandparents lived in Bournemouth. Wow. So, uh, <laughs> so I have a very strong connection to the local community. And to be honest, I know from living there, I knew there was a lot of wrestling fans there. And there just was no promotions within, you know, an hour's drive of the area. And so I thought, you know, what I wanted more than anything. I just wanted to give something back to the community. Uh, and so, yeah, me, me and Paddy got together. We started Pro Wrestling Clash uh, February 2018. Um, initially, it was just a trial run. I was just going to put on one show. Um, and, you know, hopefully it was going to be at least a semi-success. Um, and it turned out to be a huge success. We sold out the first show with a month to go um and it was clearly an appetite for wrestling in the area and and so it just blew up and it blew up really fast actually um it went from you know a startup company to it being spoken about in the same breath as some top promotions in the country very fast um 
which was a bit of a shock to me and to Paddy. <laughs> and to be honest, I think at times we struggled to keep up with it. But, but I, you know, I've loved every second of doing it. And um, I've loved wrestling on the promotion as well, because um, a lot of the people in the in the crowd are my family and friends. Yeah, and you've had some really great matches uh, under the, the Clash mm-hmm. banner. You've been with the likes of Cara Noir, Chuck Mambo, TK mm-hmm. Cooper, mm-hmm. and Dexter. You, you were involved yeah. in it, an awesome six-man tag match at Clash at the Beach in 2018. Yeah. Uh, you, you've even had a Boreham Wood street fight against <laughs> Marcus Anthony. I so did, you, yeah. you, you've had you've had some, some fantastic matches. And uh, I think, am I right in thinking that Marcus Anthony has kind of been your your on-and-off rival uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, with, with, with Clash? But um, tell us a little bit about some of your... your experiences uh being in the ring with some of those names that i've mentioned under the clash mm-hmm. banner mm-hmm. um i mean you've named some incredible incredible talents there uh yeah. i mean one person that sticks out straight away from his car in a while um tom dawkins who, who i've known since we both wrestled for ldn um and and he, he came through a couple of years before me and so um you know, as I was just kind of coming in as the new guy, he'd just kind of spread his wings from being the new guy into like a semi-top guy there. Um, and, and I learned so much from him. Even then I learned so much from him. Uh, and just watch, and even then I said to myself, you know what, this guy, this guy's going to be one of the best wrestlers in the entire country, if not the world. Um, and, and I've only seen him get better and better every single year since then. And so when we decided to start running Pro Wrestling Clash, the first name that I said I want on these shows was Cara Noir. Because um, I just think he's the most talented guy in the country, to be honest, in the ring, you know, bell to bell. And and, and that's not to take anything away from uh, his character or his charisma, because his character is incredible. And he, his yeah. entrance is probably the best entrance in all of British wrestling. Oh, undoubted. Yeah, definitely. But, but bell to bell, you know, inside that ring, I don't think there's anyone better in this country right now. Um, and so to get to wrestle him was just incredible. It was a great experience. I loved it every second of it. Um, and, and another person who I got to work in that same match was Sam Stoker, who who I think is also, uh, you know, right alongside Cara Noir as one of the best in the country and has been for a long time. Um, and when we first started uh, running Clash, he wasn't as well known to, to everyone, um, but he was another name who was right at the top of the list who we wanted to 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 use and use as a top guy as well because he's just so so talented. Um, so he's one half of uh, Pretty Deadly, if I'm Pretty not mistaken. Deadly. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, since we started Clash, yeah, he 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 formed a tag team with uh, Lewis Howley, and and now they're probably the best tag team in the country. <laughs> so you know, well, that's it. They've been even been featured on uh, NXT UK on a few occasions. So uh, they're mm-hmm. making a name for themselves, uh, not just on a UK scale, but kind of worldwide now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so good for them. But uh, yeah. so Cara Noir, uh, echo your sentiments: the best entrance and one of the best yeah. wrestlers in the UK at the moment. But uh, so many brilliant names that you've wrestled there under under Clash. But uh, mm-hmm. now, now not, not many of our listeners well, may not be aware, but uh, Pro Wrestling Clash will be running its last show mm-hmm. in uh, February the 16th mm-hmm. of next year, 2020, and it will be entitled The Last Clash Bash. Now, I'm, I'm sure that it will be a very emotional uh, night for all involved, especially the talent and the fans yeah. that have been supporting Clash from day one. But uh, what what will the end of Pro Wrestling Clash mean to you as someone mm-hmm. who's, who's wrestled there from day one, is a co-owner? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what, what will kind of that final day that final show and the end of clash mean to you um it's gonna be a sad day but i think also uh, you know an extremely happy one that we want to celebrate as well i mean i want it to be um this completely somber thing and it's not like 
um, you know, I can't speak for the reasons that many other promotions have closed down, but for us, certainly, it's not been because we were losing money or because we weren't drawing or because people weren't coming. Uh, and it certainly has nothing to do with WWE, which everyone likes to think is the reason that everyone's closing down. And it really isn't. It, it's just that the the time has come. Um, I think, you know, when we first started it, we, we never really thought it would grow so big so fast um and, and to be honest i think we're both struggling to keep up with it with you know P- paddy's career as gene money has 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 blown up enormously over the last year he, he, he's now one of the biggest names in the country he's yeah. working he, he worked he debuted for progress in september i'm sure he's got many more progress shows to come um you know pretty much every other promotion in the country he's working for um my career is starting to to pick up as well over the last 12 months um you know i said to you earlier that when I came back initially, I said, if I could do one show every two months, I'd be happy. Um, most months now I'm doing between four and eight shows. So, you know, which might not be that many to some people, but, but for me with a family at home and a full-time job, that's a lot of commitment. And I think the thing is with, with how busy we both are in our own professional careers, we're struggling to keep up with, with running pro wrestling clash at the, at the level that it's at, at, you know, and I think we'd rather, We'd rather go out on a high, having had two great years, than not give it the the you know the attention and the dedication it needs. Does that does that make sense to you? Absolutely, yeah, it makes perfect sense. And I think a lot of people will be very sad to see Pro Wrestling Clash, uh, you know, disappear. But like I say, two fantastic years, so many great shows, and mm. uh, so much great talent that's performed under the Pro Wrestling Clash banner. Um, you you alluded to it earlier, then CJ. There's been a handful of UK promotions that have closed mm. their doors for the final time this year alone. I mean, you look at uh, Pro Wrestling Chaos, Defiance, mm-hmm. IPWUK. Mm-hmm. South side, mm-hmm. and with you know Clash closing its doors for the final time next February. Uh, what do you think is is kind of the is there one big fundamental reason why this is happening? I mean, a lot of people, as you alluded to again, could be pointing their finger at some of the bigger promotions, mm-hmm. not just WWE but AEW. They've snatched up a lot of UK talent uh, yeah. to exclusive contracts, but you know it can't just be that. What do you think are the the reasons? Uh, you know that that these companies that have been around for a long time um, are, are closing their doors in close succession to one another. Um, I tell you what. Everyone likes to um, to gossip and 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 you know get onto a you know a rumor and, and read mm. various things on the internet and and, and um, I think everyone likes to to use the narrative that that WWE have come over here and they're they're signing up all the talent and they're driving away all the promotions and they're killing British wrestling. I mean, I'm sure you've heard it all, right? Yeah. Um, it's been everywhere. It's been all over the internet. It's been all over Facebook. And I think it's just been a little bit like a snowball that's just got just got out of control and everyone likes to jump on the back of it. Do you know, do you know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I don't think it's true. I, as someone who who is involved, you know, in British wrestling and knows hundreds and hundreds of of people promoters as well as wrestlers um, and has worked for uh, you know nearly 30 different promotions in this country I, I can tell you now that the majority of the companies that are, that are going out of business have nothing to do with WWE coming over um, and the fact that they're signing up a lot of talent it, it isn't an issue that there, there is there is so many 
great, great talented workers in this country that for every 50 that get signed, there's another 75 coming through. And so for every like 50 wrestlers that go off to WWE, that's just another 50 doors opening for another 50 guys who are hungry and ready to come through and, and are just as good and just as talented, but just need that platform to show it. Um, I, d- I don't think that's, that's the case. I don't think the case is that WWE are driving these promotions out. I think to be honest, from my point of view, um, that, uh, it, it the wrestling bubble is kind of bursting in this country at the moment a little bit, but I think that's because of the success it's had and therefore, and you know, it couldn't kettle, get any bigger. It couldn't get any bigger, but also pot kettle yeah. black here. To, like everyone wants a piece of the pie. There's a lot. How many new promotions have you seen start over the last two, three, four years? Yeah, um, you know, I think I counted recently that there was over 25 promotions in London alone. Um, you know, that just wasn't the case five or six years ago. You know, you know, British wrestling blew up. British wrestling got huge. And that's amazing. And that's great. And that's been great for people like me. And that's been great for all the guys that I work with. But, you know, it can't sustain two or three new promotions popping up every month. It just can't, it can't do that. You know, there's only, there's only so many wrestling fans in the country and it doesn't matter if you make a hundred new wrestling promotions, you're not going to make enough new fans to fill all of those promotions. So some of them are going to go, you know, it's just by the process of that. Does that make sense? It's a saturation point. It's, isn't it's, it, it's, exactly. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. The market is just oversaturated now. Yeah. And that's got nothing to do with WWE. It's got nothing to do with it at all. There's just too many promotions and not enough fans. Um, and I've often thought that the WWE thing was was a positive, or it needs to be seen as a positive because yeah. it's 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 uh, it's finally given just desserts to those UK indie workers that have worked so hard and, and and strived to achieve their goal, which they've done by getting a WWE contract. But it's also yeah. giving you know um, maybe a, an opportunity for new wrestlers, yeah. young fresh talent that's coming through to see that as their next goal, really to, to you know to five six years down the road to get them self-signed the mm-hmm. same as the pete duns and the tyler bates and uh, use that as a bit of a, a driving force um so to help grow the you know the fresh green grass that's coming mm-hmm. up um at the roots of the business instead of blaming the very top of the business yeah, i couldn't agree more i could not agree more everything you've said i fully agree with it, it, it you know maybe it has had some negative effects somewhere but you know there's far i think there's been more positives than negatives and, and like you said it's given credit to the top guys who've been grafting away for the last six seven years yeah. um it's given them some a bigger platform to you know show the world their skills um and how great they are look at pete dunn for god's oh, sake i think he had phenomenal. the best match he had the best match on survivor series the other yes week. he did I, yes he I, did you know as i said i don't watch much ww anymore but i heard that match was so good that i went to dig it out myself and watch it and i was blown away him and adam cole that's that's my kind of wrestling you ask what kind of wrestling i like that's my kind of wrestling yeah same thing. Uh, and and that's a guy who i mentioned earlier i was working at ldn in 2011 um you know he's been grafting away and he deserves the opportunity he deserves the big stage um and it's just you know for every pete dunn that gets signed that's another opportunity for cj carter do you know that's an opportunity for for gene money that's an opportunity for for cassius that's an opportunity for dexter or harry man you know the, there are plenty of wrestlers to go around and good ones at that so mm. there we go but we can't have you on the rest of Majora's podcast without mentioning that you are the current reigning mm. win wrestling win. heavyweight yeah, win champion wrestling, yeah 
Wynn. Uh, so uh, now for the listeners that might not be familiar with the Wynn, it's based in Daventry in Northamptonshire. Um, and with your most recent outing there being a successful title defence against Bagheera. Now yeah. tell us a little bit about your, your journey with Wynn Wrestling so far and your time as their heavyweight champion. Um, so yeah, I, start, I started wrestling for Wynn um, last, uh, it would have been March 2018. Um, and, you know, I had, I'd only been back a year at the time and I was only working for three or four different promotions and uh, mostly around the Milton Keynes area because that's where I, I went back and debuted as CJ Carter. And they're not far up the M1 from Milton Keynes. Correct. So I got, in, I got in contact with them. Um, I, I did a few shows for them. And I just think they've got a great uh, family-based product up there, which um, isn't seen enough for my liking. Um, you know, they. I think, as I said, there's a lot of promotions around now and places are struggling to stand out amongst the pack, I think. Um, and I think Win deserves more credit than it gets, to be honest. Um, you know, they, they bring in some great guys. They, they've had, you know, uh, Sam Stoker in there recently and Lewis Mayhew, who I think is another great talent in this country who doesn't get enough credit. Um, and they've got a lot of great young guys coming through because they have their own training school as well. Um, and I just think they've got a good product and a, and a, and a good audience up there as well and um and i love being their champion to be honest uh just you know over the over since i've come back over the last few years i've i've managed to win four heavyweight championships uh, and i take that with a great deal of pride um i know i know some people will say oh you know it's not real you know they're not really real championships you didn't really win anything blah 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 but to me i take a great deal of pride for every belt that I hold for every promotion that I work for. Um, I take it very seriously. Um, and, you know, I want to be a respected champion for, for any promotion. And that just means, I think, trying to have the best match on every show that you're on um, mm. and trying to give the best performance you can possibly give every time you go out there. Yeah, totally agree. So do you know who you'll be defending your championship uh, against next? Have they uh, declared the next card or mm-hmm. uh, when you might be defending it next? They haven't announced my opponent yet but their next show soon to be announced actually hasn't been announced on social media but will be in the next few days will be will be march the 21st so uh keep a lookout for that um and yeah i I, i'm sitting here waiting to find out who that will be against (laughs) awesome so so looking back at your wrestling career up to this point what would you Mm. say were were some of your proudest moments you mentioned earlier how you're you're proud to represent win as their Mm -hmm. champion and you Mm -hmm. you know you you've uh, won other heavyweight championships but what would you say were some of the really standout proudest moments that you've been a part of up until now then um I would say the first championship I ever won, which was uh, the LDN Academy Championship. Um, you know, not the biggest championship in the world, but it's my first ever one. And um, I, man- I managed to have uh, my dad and a few friends there to see me do that. And it was against Tom Dawkins, who who even then I rated highly um, and rate even more now. So that, that match means a lot to me, actually. Um, and I really enjoyed that match. I still look back on that match very fondly. Um, the first ever clash show means a lot to me because it was in my hometown i you know to be honest as much as i always wanted to be a wrestler uh, i think even more than that my boyhood dream was to run a wrestling promotion and i got to do that 
I got to do that in my hometown. I sold it out and I got to wrestle someone on that show who also lived in Bournemouth, Marcus Anthony, yeah. who who I have known since I was 12 years old. So, I mean, I mean, what more can you ask for, really? Um, you know, and then on top of that, uh, winning the four championships that I've won for for Apex Pro Wrestling, for Ultimate British Wrestling and for Win Wrestling, um you know just the fact that someone would put um you know has that much faith in you and put that much faith in you you know to give you their top title and put you in their main event on every show that means a lot to me um and i and and to be honest i think uh february the 16th will be another huge moment the the last the last class show in my hometown two years of hard work I really want to sell that out like we sold the first show out. Um, and I think that's going to be one of those moments that I look at with great fondness, just like all those other ones as well. Definitely, definitely. So well, since you returned in 2017, you've had many great matches against some mm, really great mm. opponents. But are there any wrestlers still out there that you would like to be in the ring with that you haven't had the chance to so far? Um, are there any? I mean, I mean, yeah, there's... There's there's a lot of wrestlers out there who I would absolutely uh, love to work. I tell you, one person who I've wanted to work for a long time, and I'm actually getting to do that on the 20th of this month, is Chris Tyler. Right. Uh, do you, have you seen Chris Tyler's work? He, I'm not too familiar with Chris Tyler. I've got to be he, honest. He is another guy who's hugely underrated, and I don't don't think gets as much credit as he deserves. Um, but I've wanted to work him for two years and on uh, the 20th of December at Hope Wrestling, I'm finally getting to do that. Um, uh, you know, another guy who I would absolutely love to work would be um, Chris Brooks, who who yeah. I think is kind of, you know, after Pete Dunne is now the next kind of person who's come along and has set the, the scene alight. Um, yeah. I would also, I would absolutely love to work Paul Robinson, who I just think is... Um, you know, an unsung British legend, to be honest. You know, he's been grafting away for about 10 years in this country and regularly has some of the best matches that I've ever seen. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I tell you, someone who I, I would I would absolutely die to wrestle is um, Will Ospreay. Yeah, um, I actually trained with him when he first started training at the London School of Lucha Libre. And, and from the day he stepped into that training school, from his first day, he was just something special. Um... And I, and I got to work him in a couple of tag matches very, very early on in his career. But, I mean, he's gone on to be probably the best wrestler in the world now. And um, uh, I got to train with him at Frontline Wrestling for a year. Um, but I would absolutely just, it would be a dream match to be able to wrestle him in a singles match, I think. Next question then, CJ. So what motivates you as a professional wrestler? What what motivates you to go out there and do what you do every single weekend? I want to have the best match on the show every single time I go out there. That that that's what motivates me. Um, I want to I want to I want to make the crowd the loudest that they've been all night. I want them to enjoy my match the most. I want them to hate me the most. Um, I want them to feel more passionately about my match than any other match. And if I can make them do that or even get close to that, I come away with an incredible buzz um feeling so great 
and, and, and to be honest, it's, you know, being out there wrestling, even if it's only in front of 50 people, whether it's 250, whether it's 50, whether it's 300, or whether it's 30, if you go out there and you get a good reaction and, and you just feel that energy from the crowd, it's such a great feeling. And, and that's what drives me. And, and what, what would you say was the, the biggest piece of advice that you've been given that's really helped you in your wrestling career? Work hard. Um, never be afraid to go the extra mile. You know, don't don't take anything for granted. Be the guy who turns up first and leaves last. Shake everyone's hand. Be respectful. Be polite. Um, and first and foremost, more than anything else, enjoy yourself. Relax. You know, a lot of people, I think, take can take it too seriously. They can get too stressed out. They don't enjoy the show or the matches because they're too nervous or they're too worried about something. Have fun. Enjoy it. Because, um, you know, you're giving up often a whole day to be at a show for the sake of 10 minutes of being in the ring in front of the fans. You know, if you come away from that entire day having not enjoyed it, then, you know, what have you gained? Why are you doing this, you know? Um, Enjoy it. Have fun. And work hard. You know, someone told me when I was first starting out that... um, Hard work and respect, you know, getting your head down and and grafting will get you everywhere. And um, for the longest time, I didn't believe them. Um, but but the, the 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 longer I've wrestled and the more I've seen, you know, hard work does pay off more often than not in this industry. So, yeah, um, be that person who turns up first and helps set up the ring and helps out everyone and is nice to everyone. Um you know, and doesn't go stabbing people in the back and doesn't turn up late and then leave early and is disrespectful to people, mm. you know, just, just, yeah. do you know what I mean? That's some good advice uh, in itself there, CJ. Yeah. That's some really good yeah. advice. So, so now you've got a, a really big weekend uh, coming up this weekend, as a matter yeah. of fact. Uh, yeah. On uh, Saturday night, you've got, uh, I believe it's Saturday, you've got a, yeah. a four-way number one contenders match to crown the, yeah. the new number one contender for the RCWA British Heavyweight Championship. And that's going to be in Raynham uh, on Saturday. And you're going up against uh, Kelly Six, Warren Banks and Spike Trevay. So uh, that's going to be a fantastic, hard-hitting, exciting mm-hmm. match. And then the following night, you're in another four-way uh, back yeah. in Boreham Wood. And this is uh, for Clash, uh, for the Meteora Championship. And mm-hmm. uh, it'll be Dexter, Cassius, uh, uh, Harry Mant and yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I believe this is going to be Clash's penultimate show. So Correct. a really big, a really big weekend for yeah, yourself. There. Huge tell, us, tell us about these two massive matches that you'll be a part of on Saturday and Sunday. Well, um, Saturday, um, is, uh, for RTWA, uh, I is going to be uh, probably one of the biggest matches of the year for me, I think. Um, you know, RCWA just came back from a year's hiatus. They had their first show back in October 26th. Um, and I and I worked Dexter on that one. Uh, and um, an RCWA um, champion, MOS, who's their Elite One champion. And, and so this is their second show back. And they... When they stopped, when they closed their doors at the end of um, 2018, they were still doing great numbers and still doing very, very well. You know, a little bit like Clash in a way. Um, But they decided to close their doors. But there was an appetite from the RCWA fans to them to come back, and they they 
they were hungry to see them come back and they sold out their first show 200 plus people um it looks like they're going to sell this one out again so it's going to be a capacity crowd there's a very very few tickets i think there's maybe 20 tickets left something like that so if you want to get a ticket anyone who's listening um go to the rcwa facebook page message them get one of the last tickets because this show will sell out this match is going to be huge spike trevay one of the biggest names in the scene right now uh warren banks one of the fastest rising stars in the country um and kelly six who is you know another kind of unsung legend who's been around a while and is an rcwa legend and and doesn't always get the credit he deserves and i just want to hang with all three of them to be honest mm. um and have a great match in front of what will probably be yet another sold out crowd um I love rcwa another great promotion um sunday obviously means a lot to me something very dear to my heart for wrestling clash um in my hometown for the second to last time and i'm wrestling three guys who i've really pushed for over the last two years um you know i found dexter at wrestling league um i saw harry ment there they're two guys who i rate a lot two guys who over the last year i've really been trying to to push to the top of clash and get people's eyeballs on because i don't think enough people see them and cassius is someone who i trained with at the london school of lucha libre all the way back in 2013 and 14 and he's finally getting i think the credit that he deserves um and, and i'm sure we'll see him on progress very soon and he's setting the world alight at riptide um so to get to share a ring with three other guys who who i've really been trying to champion and push over the last year at pro wrestling clashes is, is kind of a is a great honor and feels really good to me and both of those matches as i said earlier i just want to go out there and try and have the best match on the show and and really give the fans something to scream and shout about and and enjoy the 10 or 15 minutes that we're in the ring for yeah, um, definitely. those two matches look like they're gonna steal the show on uh, so. on their yeah, respective so. cards so they, they look absolutely outstanding i can't wait to catch a glimpse of those two so final question then for you cj looking ahead to next year 2020 mm. uh what are your plans what are your goals for next year do you have any do you have your eyes set on any championships or uh, any challenges uh, or, or any promotions that you haven't worked for or had a chance to work for yet that you'd like to work for so what are your kind of goals for 2020 then cj tell you what this isn't going to be the most interesting answer you're probably going to regret regret asking that question but I, <laughs> but I don't i don't do goals i don't set myself goals i feel like they're i see a lot of people towards the end of the year it happens at the end of every year they put out these tweets or they put yeah. out the posts on facebook and it's like this year i want to work these 10 people or this year i want to work at these 10 promotions or this year i want to win these things now you know you've been a, a lifelong wrestling fan am i right in saying that correct correct so so you're fully aware that you've been close enough to wrestling to understand that actually none of those things are within the control of the wrestler right like Very true. you know yeah who you work isn't up to you where you work isn't up to you and whether you win a title or not isn't up to you whether you win or lose isn't up to you so um that's in the hands of the people who run the promotions um and the people who book the cards and so i find it very i find it a little bit odd that i would and that people do set themselves goals that they have they don't actually have any control over does that does that make sense and so I, sometimes so sometimes i just feel like you're setting yourself up for disappointment because it may happen it may not happen but it's completely out of your control so what i say to myself 
every year is I just want to have as many matches as I can possibly have. I want to make all of those matches the best I can possibly make them. And I want to continue to enjoy wrestling because um, the moment I stop enjoying it is the moment I stop altogether. So, so my goal for 2020 is just to enjoy every single match I have and try and make it the best match on that show. There we go. Um, well, what a great answer to uh, to wrap up the interview then, CJ. So thank you very much for uh, being a part of Wrestling With Jonas and being a part of this podcast. Uh, before we let you go, CJ, do you have any, any plugs, any social media handles where my listeners can get hold of you, say hi, get in touch, find out about uh, where you're going to be wrestling throughout uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, December and 2020. So throw out your, your plugs if you have anybody. Yep, great. So um, first and foremost, can I just say this Sunday, Pro Wrestling Clash, um, we haven't quite sold out yet. There's 26 tickets left. We'd love to sell those 26 tickets and make it a sellout. You can go to 96 Shenley Road um, to get your tickets for that. Um, the 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 full address is tickets96 shenleyroad.co.uk. Um, on top of that, if you want to give me a follow on facebook that's cj carter wrestler or give me a follow on instagram and that is cj carter 2017 or um if you would like to give me a follow on twitter which i'm not quite as active as active on as instagram or facebook but i'm still active on there that's cj carter underscore 87 Brilliant, brilliant. Well, uh, thank you so much for uh, allowing me to interview you uh, this fine evening. And uh, like I say, best of luck with your matches that you have penciled in for for Saturday and Sunday. And Mm -hmm. uh, best of luck with the rest of your career. But uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No, you're very welcome. So that does draw an end to our episode, our special interview with uh, CJ Carter. Uh, We look forward to doing more interviews in conjunction with uh, Turnbuckle TV in the future. So stay tuned for those. Our next show will be dropping on Saturday, where we do our weekly recap of NXT and AEW Dynamite and all the hot news uh, that's going down in the world of wrestling from the last seven days. So please keep it tuned to the Wrestling with Jonas podcast for all of your weekly NXT and AEW updates, uh, regular WWE and AEW pay-per-view view reviews uh special interviews like this one and so much more and if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast please don't forget to spread the word tell your friends and tell your family and don't forget to hit that subscribe button so that you are notified every time a new episode of the wrestling with jonah's podcast drops uh in the meantime from myself and from cj thank you very much for listening catch you all up again very very soon 